4: Good morning. It's 830 on Wednesday, February 24th. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the House passes a reformative tax bill that could eliminate the personal income tax while raising other use taxes. Then the governor announces expanded coronavirus vaccine eligibility to teachers and first responders. Plus, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, the Winter Institute uses an art contest to engage the state's youth in the racial reconciliation movement. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians could see their income tax eliminated if a bill that's making its way through the legislature is passed by the Senate. Yesterday, the House passed the Mississippi Tax Freedom Act, a plan to phase out the state income tax with bipartisan support. Prior to the vote, Republican Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, called it a historic day for policy in Mississippi.
5: This is an exciting day, I think, in Mississippi. This is uh, probably the most historic policy Change that's ever been done, at least in my political career. The the purpose of this legislation, as many of you have already heard, is to eliminate the income tax in the state of Mississippi. For every Mississippian who pays an income tax, today is the day that we start down that road to eliminate that burden for you. This uh, this entire plan is based upon what I deem to be sound tax policy. Many of you will remember. Uh, Four or five years ago, we held a series of of hearings in the summertime. One of those was to deal with tax structure, tax policy, just basic tax ideas. We had experts come in from Washington, the Tax Foundation, and other conservative think tanks that talked about what makes good tax policy. And and as many of you will recall, the, the advice was to move away from taxes on productivity, which would be an income tax, and move toward taxes on consumption. Their advice was the, the, the better tax policy, the more sound tax policy for states are those states that have a, a tax structure based upon consumption, sales taxes, use taxes, things of that nature. So their advice was to the extent that you can, you need to move away from income taxes and toward consumption taxes. That is the, the, the foundation for what we have attempted to do in this plan.
4: When presenting the major parts of the bill to media yesterday, Gunn laid out the immediate impact for individuals earning less than $50,000 a year.
5: When fully phased in, $1.9 billion of income, including the grocery tax, will be returned into the pockets of Mississippians. That is huge, ladies and gentlemen. That is a great day for Mississippians. We are now putting $1.9 billion back into their pockets. Under this plan, in the first year of the plan, the first $50,000 of income for every taxpayer will be exempt from taxation. So if you have an individual who is currently making $50,000 or less, they will immediately no longer pay an income tax. We will phase this in over a period of 10 years, but in in, in year five, we hope to get to the $100,000 threshold. So in, in, in five years, those people who make $100,000 or less will pay no income tax. Now, this first group here, the $50,000 group, that captures 57% of Mississippians. Almost 60% of Mississippians immediately will pay no income tax.
4: When floor debate began, the bill was presented by Ways and Means Chair Trey Lamar. The Republican lawmaker says he's been drafting the bill for five years, and this bill paves the way for a fair chance for Mississippians.
6: Over time, our tax system has undermined that fair chance. That open field became a minefield of high taxes for the many, special exemptions for the few. It became a tax system that punished hard work, saving and investment, and rewarded wasteful consumption.
4: Lamar was met with some skepticism over how the bill will affect the state's most underserved. Democrat Chris Bell posed the question to Lamar during debate.
5: I appreciate the concept um, of, this, of this bill, but my concern is how it's going to affect those individuals who don't make enough money yes, who are out here dealing with this increased tax, as the gentleman from Forrest was asking. How do do we explain that?
6: Well, gentlemen, number one, if if they work, then then they're paying an income tax if if they're following current law. So that that would be eliminated. Uh, But secondly, and I certainly uh, am sympathetic, and we took all of this into account, any concerns for regressivity as being part of this plan, and that's exactly why uh, we felt it was sound policy to cut uh, cut the, the grocery tax in half in this plan. And so if a person is living on a... A, a limited income, then a limited, a finite amount of money. Then a large majority of the money that they have is going to be spent on the necessities of life, like groceries and food. And they would actually receive a a tax cut on those necessities.
4: The Mississippi Tax Freedom Act of 2021 passed the House yesterday, 85 to 34. During a press conference yesterday, Governor Tate Reeves says he's satisfied to see lawmakers move to eliminate the state income tax, but he finds some parts of the bill troublesome.
3: I think the, um, the pieces of that particular plan uh, that raise taxes on individuals um, are problematic. And I think what's even more problematic, and, and this is something – uh, that um, y'all hadn't written a lot about, I guess because it was done uh, on, in a Zoom meeting or something, uh, but the, the nearly $2.5 billion gas tax increase uh, that passed out of committee, I'm very concerned about that. Um, that is not something that is, is good uh, for uh, the taxpayers of this state. Um, and so, you know, it's very early in the process, and, and I, am, I am very glad that, that they are talking about eliminating the income tax. I'm glad that more and more uh, of my uh, fellow uh, Republicans are talking about the elimination of the income tax. I think the, um, the pieces of that particular plan uh, that raise taxes on individuals um, are problematic. And I think what's even more problematic, and, and this is something uh, that um, y'all hadn't written a lot about, I guess because it was done uh, on, in a Zoom meeting or something, uh, but the, the nearly $2.5 billion gas tax increase, Uh, that passed out of committee I'm very concerned about that Um, that is not something that is is good uh, for uh, the taxpayers of the state Um, and so you know it's very early in the process and and I am I'm very glad that that they are talking about eliminating the income tax I'm glad that more and more uh, of my uh, fellow uh, Republicans are talking about the elimination of the income tax and and we'll see uh, where it goes from here.
4: According to data from the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy, the bottom 60% of Mississippians pay over 6% of total family income towards sales and excise taxes. The average share toward income tax for that same group is 1.3%. Coming up, the governor announces expanded coronavirus vaccine eligibility to teachers and first responders. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Teachers, school employees, and first responders can now schedule a coronavirus vaccine appointment in Mississippi, regardless of age or health condition. Governor Tate Reeves announced the expanded vaccine eligibility requirements yesterday. Reeves commended teachers for returning to the classroom in August and keeping schools opened.
3: This announcement marks a great milestone. And it is exciting news for those who have been working hard to keep our schools open and our streets safe. While many states around the country are still forcing children to stay home and refusing to open their schools, Mississippi kids have been in the classroom, many of whom have been in the classroom since the first week of August 2020. Our kids have been learning. Our kids have been growing, they've been achieving. And that's because of the dedication of our teachers. And we want to make it even more safe for them to do their jobs. I know in so many instances they love those little kids. They love being in the classroom with them. And we as Mississippians appreciate their efforts. And I'm glad that we've gotten to the point where we can open COVID vaccines to both our first responders and our teachers.
4: Mississippi's drive-through coronavirus vaccination sites are operating at a higher volume this week. Thousands of appointments that were scheduled last week had to be rescheduled as the Department of Health shut down many of the state's drive-through vaccination sites. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says the delay last week will not have lasting impact on the state's long-term goals.
1: I don't think that the, that the pause in vaccinations is going to have um that big an impact certainly the testing may have an impact in the in the ability to identify individuals who are infected um but it also may have an impact on our case numbers we'll have to wait and see what that looks like as we move through as as more testing is available throughout the state um post the the weather event that we had um but i think that we'll just have to wait and see basically
4: Byers also says there is a declining trend in COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. That is a complement to the continued rollout of the coronavirus vaccine.
1: Uh, we have seen some continued declines in our overall uh, numbers of cases that we are seeing, as well as our number of deaths, and this is good news. Certainly, you know, the the lower numbers that we saw last week and the early part of this week uh, may be impacted by access to testing last week, and certainly by reporting. So we may see a slight increase in the overall numbers of cases reported as we get later into this week. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out. But we are moving in the right direction, and we've continued to see some declines not only in our deaths but in in our cases, but also in a number of other indicators. We're seeing our emergency department visits for COVID-like illness, Uh, decline certainly our hospitalizations and ICU and ventilator use has been um, on the decline Um, we're seeing a lower number of outbreaks in our nursing homes as well so those are all positive indicators that we are moving in the right direction
4: the growing population of vaccinated Mississippians and the positive trends in mitigation give Governor Reeves reason for hope
3: we could see the light at the end of the tunnel But the tunnel was still too long, and the light was still too dim. I sit before you today and say, the tunnel is not nearly as long today as it has been at any time over the last year. And that light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter and brighter and brighter every single hour. That's only because of the work that has been done by our fellow Mississippians. I'm proud of what you've done. We have more work to do, but we are making tremendous progress, and I thank you all for doing that.
4: Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute.
2: One of the the challenges I think we as a society have to meet is creating space for our young people's voices to be heard.
4: The Winter Institute uses an art contest to engage the state's youth in the racial reconciliation movement. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: A contractor ever tell you the price of something, and it sounds so high you think, "Eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
0: I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute.
4: How long... Will tablets last if stored in a cool, dry place? And gels, better medications, and then liquids that are medications.
0: If it is a, a tablet, generally those are good for at least a year. Now, in practicality, probably more than that. You know, if you've got something that's a couple of years old and it's been in your pantry and it's, you know, in the dark and all that kind of stuff, a lot of these medications, though, even if they're in the light, that's why medication bottles, if you'll notice, are... Shaded, so they're opaque, at least from UV radiation, uh, just because that can break down a lot of medications if you leave them out. At least a year, but a lot of things are pretty stable over a couple of years, just to be honest. Now, the reason you have an expiration date on that is that you can pull it if you need to. Like if that's an automatic expiration and they needed to recall a medication, they could do it fairly easily because they would only have to go back a year. Now, gels, liquids, sometimes even capsules are a little bit different. And they can break down more quickly. Certainly anything that's liquid a year at the most is all the shelf life is. I don't advocate anybody using anything that's liquid over that expiration date. And in some instances, it's once you open it and it's it's just a lot more easy to contaminate that. You take things like nasal sprays, like Flonase. If it's just been sitting out, it's a couple of months old, it may lose its efficacy and you may have some contamination of that. If the container looks like it's been uh, damaged, you know, the plastic looks a little old on it, and a lot of times it will uh, lose that suppleness to the plastic, definitely throw that thing away and get something different. But that's just a general, you know, rule of thumb about medications. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
3: Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel.
4: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. When former Governor William Winter passed away late last year, he was remembered and revered by many of his colleagues for his endless pursuit of racial reconciliation in a state with a complex and often harrowing history of race relations. His namesake organization, the Winter Institute for Racial Reconciliation, is conducting an art contest to engage youth in the reconciliation movement. In part two of our conversation with the Institute's von... uh, uh, von gordon he discusses the pandemic's role in recognizing the need for change and the mission of the art contest
2: uh, trust is a, is a big factor meaning people as you've probably heard have referred to uh, the kind of the history of uh, really denigration of the black body in science uh, in medical science here in our country and abroad uh, that's a significant factor like right? there are people who don't know the name uh, of the Tuskegee Experimental, don't, don't know the date uh, that it occurred, but the stories have been passed on uh, and, and the disposition has been passed on. It makes people very suspicious. Um, for people who have grown up, and, and Mississippians who fit this category where every time you went into a doctor's office, you saw someone who looked like you uh, there was a good chance that a family member of yours knew them or went to school with them. Uh, for a lot of Mississippians, that's not the case. Um, for a lot of um, Mississippians, Mississippians who've grown up in poverty, they've not, they don't get to go to doctors uh, that they feel are a part of their community. And so if you don't know people, you tend not to trust them. Uh, so I think there's some barriers around trust that our system bears a tremendous responsibility uh, for helping close. Uh, I commend Dr. Dobbs uh, and our state leaders who have recognized this gap and who have engaged, uh, whether it was through surveys and and very intentional listening uh, to help help fix it. Uh, But coronavirus is an existential threat to a lot of us. uh, And I think it's really important that we make visible the needs of everybody as, as a first step. So the acknowledgement of the disparity is important. Um, frankly, I think it's past time. Uh, we're behind on the, the level of community level engagement that's necessary uh, to get enough people vaccinated so that we can, we can see more of this pandemic in, in the background. And that's what a lot of health equity is about. Uh, There's some incredible people in the state. Uh, who have been working at this for a long time. Our community health centers are engaged around it. Uh, organizations like the Institute for the Advancement of, of Minority Health and Dr. Sandra Melvin uh, is leading the leading task force around health equity. There are people who are doing this work, so I know that it can be done. Um, I just want to challenge, you know, our, our audience members to get engaged. Uh, tell the story of, of your vaccination. What your experience was like. Um, connect your friends who you, who you think have some hesitancy or mistrust. Connect them with the practitioners you know who can give them valuable information. Uh, that is both kind of at 30,000 feet what working for equity and access and fairness looks like. Uh, but it's also what it looks like at the grain of a community, like neighborhood level.
4: You've m- mentioned. Uh, The youth, I mean, you are the youth engagement manager at the Winter Institute. So you're working with young people who are looking forward, who are looking ahead, ready to make a difference in the world, ready to become leaders, as you said. Whereas much of the population is as people age, they're looking backwards, a totally different perspective. Well, now you're holding an art contest uh, to engage youth in what they see in the present and future, tell us about the goal and and how it's all going to work.
2: You know, our our young people, Ms. Karen, have shown so much resilience um, over the last year. Our educators have just—I mean, I, I am married to an educator, and I have two incredible—one uh, in one high school, one one middle school student in my home. I've gotten to see. Uh, how tough this has been uh, for them. And, you know, one of the, the challenges I think we as a society have to meet is creating space for our young people's voices to be heard. Um, we can learn a lot from them. In this contest, we want we wanted to create an opportunity for young people uh, to express uh, both with their critical eye and their hopeful heart what they are seeing and what they're feeling, what they've experienced over the last year, Um, And also to kind of project out for us uh, a vision of what a a Mississippi, what a country that has gotten better at valuing uh, the the dignity of every human being might look like.
4: Vaughn, what's the submission deadline?
2: The submission deadline is March 12th. Um, Again, the the website is winterinstitute.org slash future. Uh, We've got All of the submission information on there, the rules, uh, the prompts, uh, but I I really want to encourage our young people, wherever you are, we want you to see this as an opportunity for you to be seen and heard um, and share your vision of both where we've been and, and also where we can go.
4: I hope you reach that thousand. Von Gordon is the Youth Engagement Manager for the William Winter Institute for Racial Reconciliation. Vaughn, thank you for being with us.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Karen, for being in community with us. We appreciate you.
4: This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio.